Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome back to another episode of Milo Time. Daryl Kessler along with Lisa Cohen. Hello. Lisa, all the way down from the Upper West Side. Welcome to beautiful Brooklyn. Thank you. It was it was an easy journey, not that you asked, but we New Yorkers have to go through how it went. I was able to connect and not a lot of waiting, so I, very successful. Which which subway line did you take down today? I know there were so I, many options. I was the N, and I, I, I made the mistake of getting on that thinking that it was an R. But good news, got to Atlantic. R came right in. No big deal. Right. The great thing about the N is that sometimes it runs as an R, but there's no announcement whatsoever, and you'd never even know. Well, exactly. There was a lot of hubbub at Times Square about whether something was going to happen, and so anyway, well, I made welcome. it. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Very glad you're here. So uh, we're going to dig into the list of things that Milo loved, and uh, Lisa, anything catch your fancy today? Yeah, I, I want to talk about Letterboxd. Oh, Letterboxd. Yes, yes. So are you familiar with Letterboxd? Yeah. You know, my kids started using it a couple of years ago. It seems like a very cool thing. Yeah. So for real quickly, for people in our audience not familiar with Letterboxd, so it's just an app on your phone that allows you to track movies that you've watched or movies that you might want to see, and then to follow other people who are movie buffs. And you can take recommendations and give recommendations and read reviews and review review movies yourself. And um I've found it to be a great and reliable resource for sort of finding nuggets and good movies to watch. The reason it's on the list of things Milo loved is because Milo was a very, very active Letterboxd user. And there's a couple of fascinating parts what's of his, that. Uh, what's his uh, username? I assume he's still on there and we can read his reviews. Uh, it has his name in it. It's Milo Kessler. Uh, I will share before the end of the episode the exact Excellent. name, and I would love pe- for people to follow and and follow his recommendations. Um, to cut to the chase, he has a number of dear friends who have gotten on Letterboxd since Milo died and are doing the equivalent of Milo movie festivals, where they are watching movies that Milo ranked most highly. That is and, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And some of those friends weren't real movie fans, and they've reported back to us that... Um, they've become movie fans following sort of Milo's lead. Nice. And we even have some friends with younger kids who maybe weren't interested in some more challenging or maybe more challenging movies weren't appropriate for them when Milo was first interested in movies. But now that they're getting older are treating Milo's recommendations as sort of an introductory path to becoming a movie buff themselves, which is kind of an interesting thing. That is amazing, yeah. But Milo was really active on Letterboxd. Um, He initially used it as something that provided recommendations for him on movies. But to be completely honest, when Milo was younger, his movie taste was very limited. (laughs) I, I mean, it really seems as though... When he was 13 years old, he still thought that Ace Ventura was the greatest movie ever. And the idea that over time, over the next couple of years, Milo would become deeply interested in movies, so much so that when I look at his Letterboxd account, he indicates that he watched and logged that watching on about 600 movies on Letterboxd. And he wrote um, a good number of reviews, most of them in 
the year 2020, 2021 during the pandemic and while he was treating. Um, but this idea that we expose our kids to so many things, not knowing what's going to take. And in some ways it's difficult because we're limited as parents, right? So we only know what we know and we introduce our kids to the things that we know. We hope that those things also resonate with our kids and if they don't, we hope they find their own path. But in the case of movies, that's something that was always very important to Alana and me. And I remember that it was a source of, I wouldn't call it frustration, but we were kind of bemused by the fact that Milo's movie taste um, remained limited up until he was about 12 or 13 years old. And if it wasn't something sort of funny, which is great, if it wasn't The Naked Gun or or Ace Ventura, Milo wasn't interested. <laughs> Um, I think what happened here, and this goes to, you know, a relationship between brothers also, um, Milo's older brother, Max, became interested in movies and brought that interest home with him. And very, very quickly, when Milo turned 14, 15 years old, he went from being somebody who really wasn't interested in movies at all to being someone who was deeply, deeply interested in movies. And... During the pandemic, Max and Milo many nights watched movies. And then while Milo was treating, it was something that we did together. Um, it was something that um, we were able to explore together. And his tastes ran extraordinarily broad and wide. And again, as a parent, you never know how that's going to go. And you're thinking, you know your child, um, and they're going to be a certain way for the extent of their childhood. And to see him go from that uh, little boy who was interested in just silly movies to a boy who was deeply interested in Korean and French film and from somebody who needed constant action in a film to someone whose opinion was really more the less that happens in the film, the better. Um, it was really a remarkable thing. It was truly remarkable. And what was also remarkable about it was Milo's experience watching movies was um, isolated for him, by which I mean it was separate from the challenges that he was facing. And it provided for him something that he really loved to do and then to think about and talk about, even when it raised subjects that were uncomfortable for him in light of what he was going through. Um, he and I watched a number of very, very difficult films, a Russian film called Come and See. Um, we went to the theater, one of the last movies Milo saw in the theater. Alana and I took him to see a movie, a Danish film called The Worst Person in the World, not knowing that one of the storylines in the movie was a woman in the movie, her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend is diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, at the time, we were still hopeful about Milo's treatment, but it was still sitting in a movie theater with somebody mm. walking with a cane, minus about 30 pounds, fully bald, watching on the screen a storyline that uh, focused heavily on cancer treatments and scenes in a hospital. Mm. And um, part of us wanted to protect Milo from that, yeah. but a large part of Milo didn't want to be protected from it. And he just watched it like it was another film. And not that he wouldn't understand that it made us want to ask him how he felt about it, but he was very dismissive. He mm, was very dismissive really? 
and treated it as someone's story and yeah. it was a movie and he loved the movie notwithstanding the complicated storyline and it was remarkable that it showed you know looked at from a hollywood standpoint it showed the the, the value of storytelling and right. the beauty of storytelling right. but it also said something about him that the movie itself was self-contained and even though it contained a storyline that from where alana and i sat it struck very close to home he was able to distance himself from that. And it was a really interesting thing. I think it says something interesting about him and the way he matured and the way he handled his ordeal. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think it's something really good. What Were there any films that you saw either with or without him that portrayed an ordeal like similar to Milo's, but that he or you guys felt like were not true to form, like would have been like, you know, he would have been like, oh, that's BS. It's not like that. Yeah, I think that... I mean, he probably doesn't like those, like, John Green books. Well, that's the thing. Right? That's yeah, exactly right, what I was thinking right. about. So what's interesting about that is a movie like... I may not get the title right, A Fault in Our Stars or whatever it yeah. was, deals with a young person with cancer. I remember Milo seeing that when he was a kid, obviously prior to his diagnosis. I think in hindsight he would view it as a valiant attempt to take a difficult subject and make it accessible to younger people. Right. I think it probably was portrayed emotionally and maybe overly emotionally, if that's even possible, for the purposes of appealing to, in quotes, younger people. Um, so I'm not sure that he would have any disagreement with the way the movie was made, but I think that he would view it as a less mature way of presenting it than, say, was presented in this movie, um, The Worst Person in the World, where it was presented in some of its ugliness and some of its dread, um, and also was interesting, you know, something we experienced um, it portrayed it as something that a person or a very small group of people are going through. And even though there are other people out there who love them and are connected to them, ultimately the battle is very private um, and very isolating, notwithstanding the community around you that that loves you and that wants to support you and wants to help you. Um, many, many times when I think back on that movie, the way cancer treatment was portrayed. And again, it was a minor storyline, but they got a lot of it right. Um, It was sort of the loneliness of it and the loneliness that I'm sure Milo felt in his own room and the loneliness that Alana, Max, and I felt even among so much love from our family and our friends. Um, And in that respect, that movie got it right. But that movie was just one of many that were um, so appealing to Milo. I feel like I'd be doing Milo a disservice if I didn't mention some of his his very, very favorites. Please. I mean, Milo loved Get Out, thought it was just phenomenal and an extraordinary social commentary. If I had to pick his all-time favorite, I'd probably say Mulholland Drive, maybe City of God, the Brazilian movie. Wow. Um, maybe Synecdoche, uh, a movie I have not seen yet, but Alana keeps harassing me to see. <laughs> Um, And these were all sort of complicated and challenging movies that the 13-year-old Milo, um, you know, would have had no interest in. And, you know, 
it's funny. One of the other things that I'm sure we're going to talk about on one of these episodes is Milo's unusual and, and unusually immature diet that he had only a, you know, a very small handful of things that he liked. And it leads me to wonder when I saw him blossom as a movie watcher and I saw him blossom as a theater goer. And it does make me wonder and uh, whether he would have blossomed similarly as an eater. And I know it sounds sort of mundane, but... No, I think they're both... Um artistic expressions of, of humanity and he was he was on the path towards all of that discovery yeah i i think there's something to that and it is when i think about his movie watching like so much of the paradoxical world we now live in the things that bring me the most joy also cause the most heartbreak and when i think about watching lawrence of arabia with him watching Gone with the Wind with him, watching Come and See with him. Um, it brings me great joy to see the mind that he brought to those movies and the thought that he brought to those movies and uh, the wisdom he really brought to them when we would talk about them afterwards and the patience he had watching them when no doubt he was physically uncomfortable watching some of these epic films. And then it's heartbreaking that he's not going to be watching any more of those movies. And then, as I said, it's heartbreaking that there were other areas where he was kind of just getting started. You know, he, in an earlier episode, we talked about his graduation from Brooklyn Tech High School. And Milo was lucky enough to start college. He started at Northeastern University in no small part because Northeastern, even after the pandemic, still had a remote option at the university. It was primarily for international students who couldn't get to the United States, but they made it available to Milo. And he was able to complete his first semester studying math and physics at Northeastern University. And it's another thing that he was just starting. And, you know, among the many things that are heartbreaking about his um, tragic death, one of the things that I struggle with most is this sense the of a world that was open to this extremely gifted and beautiful boy. Um, and he didn't get to experience them and he didn't get to take advantage of them. And, you know, movies is just a sort of a microcosm for that. Because when I look at his letterboxed account, now taking us back to where we started, I can see a timeline yeah. and I can see which movies interested him when and I can think about where he was in his life then. And it tracks very interestingly with his own intellectual curiosity, development, growth. And, you know, you're left to wonder as a parent, where else would that have gone? And, um, you know, sadly, there are certain things we won't know. It's, you know, and it's interesting, too, because he was this gifted math and science kid and he loved it and he excelled at it, at it. But, you know, what I'm hearing is that he was obviously also drawn to and developing a um, side of him that was very much about art and expression. And, um, you know, he he could have been a could have been a critic, you know, and frankly, we're this is one of those times where you're happy to have the technology that we have this like treasure trove of his early writing um, and, and film criticism. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's just more than a shame that we can't uh, keep tapping into that. Yeah, and you're also teeing up some episodes for the future because we will be talking about Milo's surprising, at some point, um, love for the theater, uh, Milo's love for music. And you're right, he went from, uh, as I, guess, I suppose all kids do, narrow interests, focused interests, and um, to use just a cliche, you know, he was a flower who was blossoming in his own time as, as all kids do. And the way he was blossoming was interesting and unexpected in a lot of ways. I think movies is, is one example of that. And as I said earlier, and as you know, the, the, the heartbreak here is that that, that blossoming was cut off as it was just taking shape in many ways, but lots more to talk about on future episodes. Good. So we hope you'll join us again on our next episode of Milo Time, spending some time with Milo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.